The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's Buzz Mobility. I have a newsflash for you. The connected future is here. Let's get started. Welcome formally to the Mobile 2.0 world. Enterprise mobility is moving at triple Internet speed. Can you even imagine how fast that is? Adoption of BYOD, you know what that is, bring your own device. And enterprise-wide B2E, B2B, C2B, we love all that little alphabet soup. It's disrupting traditional computing. Now, here's a statement we're going to focus on today. Nearly 50% of organizations today will invest in mobile apps, devices, and mobile device management solutions in the next 12 to 18 months. That's coming up really fast. But not all of them have a mobile strategy in place to ensure their deployments are effective. They're doing it to succeed, so they need to succeed. So the question is, what will it take for these companies to have even a fighting chance to achieve mobile success? We have a great panel. Actually, they're all veterans of Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. I'm delighted to welcome them back. So let's go. One at a time through my panel of mobility stars, and let's meet the first one up. It's Benjamin Robbins. He's a principal at Palador, and he sent me the following quote, going small is not the same thing as going mobile. That's provocative. Benjamin Robbins, how are you today? Welcome back. I'm great. Thanks for having me back. It's awesome to be here. Delighted. So talk to me. Going small is not the same thing as going mobile. Who is saying it is? And, And let's expand this. Well, really, that, what that what that quote means is, you know, a lot of work that we do with with enterprises is, um, you know, they're, they're oftentimes their first uh, swing at mobility is just to take their existing process and try to cram it into that tiny little screen, right? So they've got, they've tried to have all the same functionality, all the same UI elements, all just everything. They're like, well, that's what we've always done. We need to make sure and just get that all into mobile. And that is absolutely just kind of the wrong way to approach mobile. Mobile is a perspective, is a opportunity to rethink your processes, to relook at them, and to really pick out what are those critical elements, and then what, what, what should those elements actually fit within the context of mobile? What makes sense on the screen? What can you actually do with those, those little fat fingers of ours that um, will actually allow you to be productive rather than just copying what you've always done forever on the uh, PC and desktop? Very interesting perspective. Thank you, Benjamin. Good start to our topic. Let's bring on our second panelist, Michael O'Farrell, founder of, founder of the Mobile Institute and vice chair at Uber, O-O-O-B-E-R. And Michael sent me the following. I don't think it's a quote. I think it's something that needs to go on a billboard. Wearable workforce on the horizon. I love that, Michael. Welcome back. How are you today? I'm terrific, Bonnie. Thanks for having me and, and look forward to the show. 
Wonderful. So talk to me. Wearable workforce on the horizon. What exactly is it now? How close is that horizon? Can I touch it? Oh, it, it, it's very tangible. It's probably on your wrist right now, whether you have a Fitbit or, or smartwatch. Um, um, you know, we're seeing, seeing a plethora of uh, wearable technologies coming to market and seeing the mass market consumer very aggressively. And now it's going into the enterprise in a dynamic fashion to the point of, you know, doctors even looking at wearing Google Glass in surgery. You have workforces that are field forces that are now getting their documentation or, or their manuals or um, other presentation material available through uh, visual display, um, as well as could be tied into, you know, their calendars, tied into their watches. And then you get into the whole health category that enables, you know, consumers now to interact with their doctors or with their, their, their practitioners uh, in, in, in a more uh, accurate manner with great information that can be leveraged to increase your enterprise capacity of servicing your customers in, in a multiple of touch points. Michael, I want to ask you a question, of almost a fashion question or a, uh, shall we call it a bedside manner question. Can you imagine a patient looking up from the operating table before they're knocked out and seeing the doctor putting on Google glasses? I don't know if that would make them happy or scared. Do you think they need to be knocked out first, seriously? Well, they got the Oakley versions coming out now and a few more stylish versions, so it might not be as, uh, as daunting uh, before you get knocked out. So uh, hopefully it's more uh, uh, pleasing to the eye is a great way to say it. It might even be something like, well, my doctor's wearing Oakley wearables. What's yours wearing? That could become, you know, keeping up with the Joneses' doctors. Thank you, Michael. Great information. Let's turn to our third panelist today, also a veteran of SAP Radio, Maribel Lopez, founder of Lopez Research. And Maribel, this quote goes way back, but I think it still applies. Mobile is the foundation for contextual engagement. Welcome, Maribel. How have you been? I've been great. Great to be here. And, you know, I don't know if I want my doctor wearing the Oakley glasses. Maybe I'm paying him too much at that point. Thank you. Thank thank you for the reality check. I was hoping somebody would jump on that. So, Maribel, contextual engagement. Let's explain that, please. Yeah, so Ben talked about this great um, great issue in mobility where you're just trying to do the same stuff on a smaller device and it's a really poor experience and you need to figure out what makes sense on mobile. And one of the great things about mobile is that it gives you contextual data. It gives you location. It gives you um, motion. It gives you speed. And there's a lot of things you can build into your business process to do that. Or um, image capture is another great one, right? So now you can do expense reports and take a photograph of the expense report. So this is all... Um, contextual data that you now have access to. And if you're just taking your shame process and sticking it on the mobile device, you've missed Mm -hmm. this huge opportunity to make it more usable and richer in data. Isn't that interesting? Maribel, talking about taking images, you know, when I run out of something, whether it's dishwasher detergent or a special light bulb or a special kind of flour I'm baking with, I don't, I used to cut out the label and put it in my purse and hope I remembered it when I went to the grocery store or the hardware store. Now I snap a picture of the product on my iPhone and when I get to the store, I open the phone, I take a look, I say, oh, that's what I need to buy today. So I think it works at all levels. You agree? I absolutely agree. That's a great use case for it. It's making it real. It's making something easier in your everyday life. 
Absolutely. No more, no more grocery lists. No more notes. Thank you. And let's add the fourth person to the panel right now. She is the impetus for this topic. I haven't even gotten to the topic yet, but I will in a second. It's Carolyn Code, mobile product manager at SAP and co-author of the first and second editions, bravo, of the Wiley book, Enterprise Mobility for Dummies book. Carolyn Code, and you sent me the following quote, the connected future is here and mobile is the first screen to innovation. Welcome back, Carolyn. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks for having all these amazing guests that you don't get this type of lineup too often, so I'm pleased to be here. I'm glad. We we are very proud of our, what I call our unique mashups of very smart people. So, Carolyn, thanks for spearheading, and this is part two. So, talk to me. The connected future is here. Okay. Mobile is the first screen to innovation. Can you tell me what that is? Absolutely. So when we think about mobile, Ben talked about it's not just small. Uh, you know, Michael said it, it's more than a smart device and it's more than being specific as to Maribel's comments. It really is the first screened innovation, as I said, but companies need to think of it as more than a screen because there's a lot behind the screen that we don't actually think about. If you actually think about a stage performance, we only see what's on the stage. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I use a concept called behind the stage or for mobile, behind the screen, what's happening? And when we look at big trends like cloud, big data, and social, that a lot of companies or, or analysts will call it SMAC. What are you doing for SMAC, for social, mobile, um, analytics, big data, or cloud? They sometimes don't realize that they have to work together. And as we come out with more and more ways to be productive or connect with the consumer because they're wearing new devices or there's new connection points. Um, we have to be very intelligent in the ways that we share this data and access it and make it, you know, small so it's consumable, so it's really simple. It has to be really smart and intuitive to be adopted. And to Maribel's point, again, it has to be specific. There's lots of problems and opportunities out there to innovate, but we really need to focus and companies need to focus on ones that have business impact that will grow their customer base and really ultimately have retention with employees and consumers. Thank you very much, Carolyn. By the way, how's the book going? Sales good? It's good. It's good. I'm, I'm always thinking about round three, and it's tough with this type of topic because the day you put it out, it may be behind. So there's, I'm glad to have opportunities like this and, and blogging and real-time interactions to, uh, to keep us up to date. So I'll keep you posted on the third edition. I do. We might have to do part three. We welcome you back. So I have a very tough question. Actually, for some panels, it is tough question for my panel today. What's in your cup today? And you all know I'm looking for an interesting story. If you're drinking blah, 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 don't tell me. But if you've got a story about something amazing, coffee, tea, water, juice, milk, soda, something you brewed or ground or squished or mashed at home that tasted wonderful or on a trip, I want to hear about it. So let's go back through the rotation. Benjamin Robbins, what would you like to talk about for coffee break well i tell you what i uh i hail from the coffee cap coffee capital of uh the united states seattle and i thought i knew everything about coffee but um last week i was in london for speaking at an event for the guardian and um went to a coffee shop with someone and they ordered a flat white and i said a flat white what the heck is that <laughs> and my my drink of choice no matter what it is it's always in a short cup so this is a short drink it's a double shot espresso with just kind of the velvety milk, a thin layer of this velvety milk on top of it. So it's like super boom in a cup with just a tiny bit of milk. It is awesome. 
Super boom in a cup. I love that. Thank you. That's a new one. Thank you, Benjamin. Very picturesque. Uh, Michael O'Farrell, Mobile Institute. What are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking right now, Michael? I actually uh, found a soda stream. I'm into uh, soda drinks. I like the bubbly. So I um, uh, have a soda stream uh, product that's really neat. That you can It's, it's a DIY, DIY do-it-yourself uh, soda maker. So you can put in different flavors, and I like adding some uh, juice to it so it makes it a little bit lighter than, than the traditional soft drinks or, or, or pops that are out there. And uh, it, it's quite a neat little product that's... Uh, um, very simple to use and very delightful. Mike, Michael, what's your favorite juice flavor now? We need details here. What is the Michael O'Farrell favorite when you're making the soda? Uh, orange juice and soda. Orange juice and club soda type mix. It's like a seltzer with uh, orange juice that's uh, very refreshing and light. It keeps me, very, keeps me, very, uh, yep. keeps me half hey, healthy, I, I guess. Half healthy. I think that's. I think it keeps you well healthy. I think that's a mimosa without the champagne, but I could be wrong. I don't drink much these days. That's Thank it. you, Michael. Right? Maribel Lopez, what are you drinking or what do you wish you were drinking? Okay. In anticipation of this question, I made not one, <laughs> but two cups of coffee, and I'm doing a coffee off between something that's in town. I'm doing Stumptown, which I think hails from your neck of the woods, Benjamin. It does. Yeah, no, Stumptown's awesome. Is. Yeah, and I'm doing Stumptown versus Italy, uh, versus Italy. and I have Who's to say, the Stumptown's winning. So, <laughs> Ooh, now, I don't now have, for... like, Big Bang Boom in a cup or anything, but it is quite interesting <laughs> having bubbling coffee cups here. Maribel, what is Stumptown? Tell us, what is the flavor, or what is, is it uh, heavy-duty, high call it high-octane, or fully caffeinated, or what's the flavor, dark roast, medium, or am I completely off on this one? Uh, no, you're not completely off. It's um, it's a more of a dark roast. It is um, a little chocolatey, velvety, and um, quite yummy. And I, I actually put in. I, I didn't quite have the flat white, but it's just got plain old cream in it. It's quite good. So oh, I nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And Carolyn Code, what are you drinking today, or what do you wish? Well, I. I had a coffee this morning, and I closed my eyes, and I dreamed. My lovely sister brought me a bag of coffee back from Roton, and I had to make it today because it is minus 9 degrees Celsius in Toronto, and winter will not end. So I had this coffee and closed my eyes and just tried to imagine being where it came from, and it got me through the morning. Let's, Let's see. I might need to brew another cup pretty soon. Okay, well, we want to get you through the morning because we need you lively and lively and fully caffeinated here on the radio. And by the way, here's the latest report from Malcolm Kimberlin, our our man on the Twitter stream here. He says, oh, Brad says, by the way, in Phoenix, is going to be 88 today. He sends you his best wishes. That's our engineer, Carolyn. Sorry, Brad. Sorry, Carolyn. Uh, Malcolm says, I'm drinking Equator coffees. He's back to Equator. Fair trade, alligator French, thick as mud and dark as the night. I love the way he does that. And by the way, uh, Maribel, to your point and my point about using your mobile device to take pictures, Malcolm says he takes pictures of wine bottles. So he remembers them because photos are better than notes. I knew I liked Malcolm for some reason. We agree (laughs) on that. That's great. So listen, you've all worked very hard. I'm going to give you a break. You can refresh that cup, but don't go too far away. We're going to take about 90 seconds off. When we come back, we're going to start our roundtable. And surprise to my panelists, since you were on on the show last, we've changed the format of the show. We're going to do a 30-minute roundtable 
marathon. So put your seatbelts on. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. We are live today as Wednesday, March 26, 2014. And in case you haven't guessed by now, our topic is Enterprise Mobility for Dummies. You can run, but you can't hide. Part two. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Bread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are with Benjamin Robbins, principal at Palador, Michael O'Farrell, founder of the Mobile Institute, Maribel Lopez, founder of Lopez Research and Carolyn Code, mobile product manager, SAP, and co-author of Enterprise Mobility for Dummies, the book. I want to know when the movie is coming out. We are now moving into our roundtable segment. It's a marathon, a half hour. Let's kick this off and get the party started. I think the party already started, actually, with Benjamin Robbins from Palador. Benjamin, I'm going to repeat a point that Carolyn brought up, but I want you to expand it and I'll tell you how. Uh, the point is mobile as the new first screen experience, but TVs and computers taking second screen position. Why don't you expand that for us and then we'll ask everybody else to chime in. Go ahead, Benjamin. Thanks. Yeah, no, I, you know, this is, this is true. You see this trend happening um, if you look at the data both, uh, both in, with consumers and in the enterprise where as devices, you know, there's this trend for larger um, devices, you know, the, the infamous phablets, um, you know, people are carrying around tablets. Um, even just kind of quote unquote your standard device, um, you know the iPhone's getting taller. Your you know the Galaxies, uh, you know the S3, the S4, they're all they're larger screens. And so what what, what people are doing is they're is they're really turning to these devices um, as more apps and more capability and more uh, the ability to be productive on them as their their first screen experience. So I'm out at a customer site rather than wait till I have to get back to the office and say, well you know I'll get that mm-hmm. to you later. You know I, I have access to that because I have Box, mm-hmm. I have Dropbox. Um, I have things like SAP Box. Uh, you know, I have access to these tools that allow me to quickly and in the moment and contextually, as we've been talking about, get the right data to the right person um, right on time. Okay. Michael O'Farrell, Maribel Lopez, Carolyn Code, who wants to jump in and, and expand on this? Yeah, I think this is actually a really critical point for um, mobile application development. There's been this talk about mobile first, and sometimes people think mobile only, but it gets back to this 
notion of experience. If you're thinking about what people do on the go, a lot of times they actually prefer the mobile device because things are so much simpler the way they've been designed in mobile. It's click, click, and you're done, right? And I think that's the new paradigm, whether it's on a desktop or a PC. It's the end of these clunky, complicated, non-user-friendly apps and just really get into the heart of the matter and what you're trying to do, and that's why it's more of a first-screen experience, in my opinion. Very well put. Carolyn Code, Michael O'Farrell, go ahead. Uh, the other thing that people, uh, you know, a perfect setup on the fact that uh, enterprises need to understand their mobile persona. So if they look at their their user communities, their stakeholder communities, is, is understand how they use their devices, the personas around the device, whether it's a BYOD, it's their, you know, it's a consumer or it's enterprise provided device. By understanding how they use messaging, which is, uh, you know, look look what happened with WhatsApp and, and, and Line and WeChat, you know, the over-the-top messaging channels as well as the SMS channels or traditional uh, messaging channels, including email. You, you have uh, browsing capabilities within the device. So, again, another unique experience or a unique opportunity on mobile web browsing. And then you have applications, the native app uh, opportunities. And by combining those and understanding how users leverage each one of those areas, which is very unique, and that's what differentiates it and makes it so special compared to static television or static uh, PC screens, is you have so many utilities that people are now so familiar with using mm-hmm. it, to get that experience and enrich the user experiences to understand the mobile personas of your stakeholders or target audiences, which is, which is key to delivering that you know, mobile-first or mobile-only uh, enriched and empowered opportunity. Yeah, Michael, is this- I think... Go ahead, Carol. Add on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes beyond mobile, and I think a lot of people look to mobile um, as an example of t- completely changing the tech industry. Before the iPhone or the iPad, a lot of the objectives were led by an IT department giving solutions out to their employees, but it changed. You had a professional consumer come into your organization and say, "I want to use this iPad today." So we've. Mobile's been successful with, as to Michael's point, that bring your own device, but we're actually pushing the boundaries and can be used as an example when we move beyond devices to everything. So I think the the current statistics out there is by 2017, about 20% of organizations are going to be implementing a bring your own X strategy. X meaning, of course, devices, but apps content, maybe cloud, your own licenses, your own developer tools. We're seeing that happen today, and companies need to be open to embrace this, but they're really going to have to make sure that they protect protect all the information in this multi-channel world because with BYOX comes great opportunity, but the strategy has to support all the stakeholders, let it be a consumer, an employee, an IT mm-hmm. manager, a developer, so they really can take full opportunity of this next momentum movement of mobile that's alongside with cloud and big data, as we mentioned before. What do you, what do you think, Carolyn, as the biggest hurdle to BYOX? Like, where where organizations going to trip up? I think it's just acceptance. I think it's it's being open to having collaboration versus control. We've moved beyond mm. a very um, direct relationship in an organization. And if we look at some of the, the talent that's coming in, they have an expectation that they be able to collaborate and move beyond maybe hierarchies or boundaries. So I think companies, um, their culture will be the number one thing that will determine if they can successfully run and support a BYOX plan. 
And also, you know, it's the legacy environment. So you have, you know, Dell was one Fortune 100 company in the past, and it was a funny uh, statement from, you know, the, the the lead of their customer service and support leverage, you know, from the IT world. And we were talking about the plethora of devices and operating systems and environments, and he turned around and looked at me and said, hey, you know, we, we, we're a mic, you know, no disrespect, but we're, we're a Microsoft shop, and, you know, I don't see that, you know, happening in our environment. And I said, whoa. You know, the, the un- unprecedented case and change of people leveraging multiple platforms and multiple device operating environments is something that your culture, like Carolyn just said, culturally the, winner, the, the winners of this, uh, of this race or, or to provide the best user experience to their employees and their, and, their, and their customers are the ones that culturally understand this is a radical change. This is going to change everything that they know from traditional IT thinking to a new paradigm, and they better embrace it and get ready with it, get ready for it, or they're going to miss the boat. And they can't just, you know, and they can't just think of it in terms of devices, right? So a lot of people, right. I, I like, I like that Carolyn brought up that it's not just, you know, BYOX isn't just bring your own devices, but it's apps because, you know, uh, if you think about just as devices, the, the people who are going to win, as you're saying, are going to be the ones that get that it's it's more about ha- being productive. It's about having that contextual information. It's about, you know, getting it done. That what did Maribel say? Click, click, and you're done. Um, sort of sort of mentality. What's the fastest way you can get this? You know, the, the break the task down and get it done and, and move on to the next higher order problem. And those are the people that are going to be done. That you got to think about it bigger than just devices. This is Bonnie. I want to jump in here. A great conversation, by the way. I love the way you're all playing well in the sandbox and talking to each other. This is what we love. However, I have a question for all of you. We talked about company culture, BYOX. What's driving this? My question is, is this a generational impetus? Is this coming from the influx of Gen Wires, net geners? I, I talked to three millennials on our show, HR Trends with Game Changers, yesterday, and they said they're calling themselves net geners. I'm wondering, uh, for my four panelists today, is this impetus coming from their influx into the workforce? Is it coming from Gen X that preceded them? Is it coming from the the C-suite looking out of, from their ivory tower, if they're still sitting there and saying, oh, that's what's going on in the world. We better step it up and we better get really mobile now. So who is, who's pushing this? Who is demanding this? Where does this culture change come from? Who wants to take it? I guess great can, I, can that I start one of my with Generation Mo. So Generation Mo is doing it. So it's not X, Y, or Z. It's Generation Mo. And, and Generation Mobile is pretty well everyone in all stakeholder categories are finally understanding the value of this device that they carry with them 24-7. And the industry better, you know, they're looking to their leadership and executives and ITs to get their head around how they can search Generation Mo. That's just my... Generation Mo. I heard somebody else in the background. Was that Maribel talking? Yeah, it was Maribel. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is I think we should caution against the concept of trying to put it as an age demographic. I think it's more of a um, technology behavioral demographic. Right? Yes. These are people that just want to do their own thing, and they have the technology to do it now. And if it's better, they're sort of forcing that into the organization. So, yes, it does happen to be a lot of younger generations, but it's not mm-hmm. just the younger generations. It, it's definitely a profile. Like if you look at the four big changes that are happening in technology, it's, you know, um, as, as Carla mentioned earlier, it's social. And, you know, that's not just a young person's phenomenon. Um, it's big data. It's analytics, cloud computing, and it's great devices, right? So we have a whole plethora of technologies now, and certain people, are actually just saying, that's what I want to use. That's what helps me get my job done. 
Okay. Now, I want to, did, was anybody else jumping in on there? I, I heard at least two voices in the conversation. Um, Carolyn, did I hear you yeah, too? Well, one more comment, and I think it's, mm-hmm. I definitely think that you have a, a grown-up digital generation that is entering the workforce. So part of it's that, but this perfect storm also comes from the fact that we now have technology that's so simple to adopt that any generation can use it and that there's not um, a barrier to entry in terms of skill sets. There may be a, a barrier of entry depending on local economies. You know, not everyone can afford certain devices or they may not mm-hmm. be in an area where they have a network to really take advantage of all the functionality. But most of the world is to the adoption point of simple technology that we will not use anything that isn't intuitive and We'll continue to use this as a benchmark with any future technology that we plan to use either, you know, as, as a worker or as a consumer because it's one and the same. Thank you, Carolyn. Anybody else on this point before I move to something else? We good? Well, I was going to say, you know, I, you know, I have gray hair, uh, and I, you know, I'm Benjamin. definitely of the generation. Well, I actually have a lot of gray hair. You'd be surprised. But anyway, um, uh, I'm definitely of the generation Mo. And, I, you know, I think a lot of what drives it is, uh, you know, people are afraid of change. And I think a lot of the, the holdup in the change department comes from the, you know, the people, the very people who are closest to technology who've been charged with protecting, um, you know, enterprise data. That, you know, this is how yeah. we've always protected data. This is what, these are the boundaries that I draw around network. This is what network means. You know, it's a physical thing rather than about being connected by, you know, project or need. Um, and, and it's really kind of demonstrating and showing them that, yes, you can still be secure. Yes, you can still have your quote-unquote network, but, you know, the, the, the idea of these things are expanding and changing, that once you get over that fear and, and still living in a secure world, then I think that you, lot to, you see, a lot to, uh, see a lot of changes happening in the enterprise. Thank that is a you, great Benjamin. point, Benjamin. Just wanted to kudos on that yep. one. That, that explained it beautifully. Thanks. And, Michael, I want to bring up some talking points you sent me before the show. You dropped an awful lot of brand names on me when you talked about wearable computing technologies, but I want to bring it back to what we're talking about, the opportunity for game-changing innovation in workforce productivity. I just want to drive this point home before we move to something else. Uh, so let me just read this and then get you to comment on it and anybody else who wants to. You say, wearable computing technologies like Google Glass, smartwatches by Samsung and Pebble, smart bands from Fitbit, personal fitness bands. You mentioned that in the open. OM Signal, that's healthcare monitoring T-shirts, I never heard of those, and Interaxon brain sensor bands, along with Internet of Everything sensors by the billions, are creating new game-changing opportunities for workforce workforce productivity when combined with, of course, big data innovations and cloud computing. So just talk to me a little bit about this proliferation of opportunities for wearables. I'm not aware of the healthcare monitoring T-shirts and brain sensor bands. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about, about that so so our listeners who are, who love to know what to shop for next will know what what to do. Michael, hmm. yeah, thank you. And and part of the brand uh, uh, reason that I put in some brands is that mass market consumers who are your employees that are working in the enterprises are now very familiar and are getting very well educated on what these products and services are coming from because of the marketing muscle behind those brands. And now they're 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 coming in again from a consumer BYOX, if you like bringing it in, whether it's on them, whether they're wearing it, whether it's part of their lifestyle currently as a a consumer, and saying, hmm, how can I leverage this or what can I do now to leverage this lifestyle to to, to untether again some of the work items or work areas that that I have uh, assigned to me or to make me more productive. So it is, again, complete body experience or user experience that 
that is now untethered and enable them to be more productive. And they're getting really well educated. And that's going back to Benjamin's point, is now the IT has to catch up with how well their their their, their stakeholders are being educated. Within, exactly. within the T-shirt, there's a company called Ohm Signal that is doing a T-shirt that has sensors that monitor your heartbeat and, and, and different uh, areas that, you know, tie to your app. Again, you know, your, your remote control is your device. Um, and, uh, and, and then Muse is a product that's coming out from Interaxion that, again, is, you know, something that you put on your, your forehead or your head and wear it like a headband. And uh, you can, it senses some of your, your, your um, emotions and, and, and feelings that you can now control certain items or certain impulses in in a connected or untethered way again. So very cool technology coming down the pipeline, and it's all being out there and offered up to consumers, and now it's going to be part of that BYOX of how the enterprise can take on that challenge and, and master it to, to create productive opportunities for their, their staff, employees, and consumers. Michael, I think that uh, therapists, couch therapists should run for the hills and hide and go get a new profession if these brain sensor bands really work. People say, oh, my God, I'm getting anxious. I think I'll do a couple of calming exercises or, oh, he's exactly. really he's really getting me angry. I think I'll just do some counting and heavy breathing and square breathing, rather, and, and get myself down to a, a better heart rate level. Very interesting. Maribel or Carolyn or Benjamin, any comments on what Michael just discussed? Yeah, there's a couple of comments. I think the first thing is I absolutely believe wearables are going to change the enterprise, and I absolutely believe it's going to change in a kicking and screaming fashion. Right? We've spent two and a half years trying to do BYOD when it was only smartphones and tablets and a lot of fear and concern over security and how you get the data to people mm-hmm. and, and privacy and all kinds of things, right? So I, I think the, the challenge is twofold. One is making sure they don't get wrapped up in the security issue, and two is making sure that they kind of understand what some of the new use cases are, right? Mm-hmm. Computing used to be a destination, and now it's sort of living on you and with you, and you can do different things with it. So, what do you send that doctor? Right? You send the, you know, maybe the doctor wants X-rays. What do you send that person in the field? They need access to your collaboration suite, right? So, you have to a secure it, but b also think, what are we going to give them access to? You need to know what to secure and what to allow out into the field. So, these are big challenges. That I think are going to take enterprises a few years to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And Thank just you, to add on to Maribel's comment, um, yes. it's making sure that you can secure it, but really knowing what's out there. So as an individual, making sure I understand where my digital, what we used to call a digital uh, footprint, it's expanded now into a contextual footprint. Where is that? So every day when I go to CrossFit and I track my cross-training on my Nike Fuel Band, I'm feeding data there. So I need to make sure that I'm aware of where that's going. Then also as an employee, as I send you my speaking notes for SAP Radio, how did I send those to you? And was there anything that was maybe very confidential or information that needs Mm -hmm. to be shared in an encrypted way? Companies, just like individuals, need to have a really clear understanding of what is their mobile footprint. And as we move to more contextual computing, what's the contextual footprint and how are we enabling uh, our individuals and that we interact with, whether it be employees or consumers, but then how are we making sure that we maintain our own governance policies? Thank I think, you, uh, Carolyn. Carolyn, I think you hit on a good point there. You know, it's the contextual contextual aspect. You know, people love to talk about the Internet of Everything, and, you know, wearables is, is definitely one of them where, you know, you, you have sensors and conceivably everything because it's so cheap. But what's the use case that makes sense? What's the context that makes sense? What's, why would I actually want to have that sense of there and what, what data is it going to transmit and what am I going to get out of it that 
that makes sense. And I think that what we really need to do is is take it from this kind of nebulous um, discussion of, uh, well, anything could be connected and it's going to be awesome down to look at this. Here's an awesome use case and here's why you'd want to do this. Um, and this is why it's going to be game changing. Thank you, Benjamin. Maribel, I want to use one of your talking points to veer the conversation in a slightly different direction. Uh, we might have touched on it, but I'd like to expand it. You told me services like devices will become portable as well, and your example is corporate voice services, collaborative services, which are mobile cloud-enabled. But this is the great case I want you to talk about, Maribel. I'm sure everybody on the panel today travels a lot, and Maribel poses the following. Imagine arriving at your hotel and having access to all of your corporate services on the desktop or TV screen. Maribel, where is the hotel? Where are we traveling? And is anybody doing this yet? And what does this mean? Well, personally, I wouldn't mind being on a beach in Thailand right now, but we're all here. (laughs) uh, But we love being with you, Bonnie, so that's not an issue. Oh, ditto, ditto. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay, so herein lies the challenge, I think, and that's that um, right now we've thought of services being locked to a PC, what we were just talking about, about wearables and smartphones and everything, um, by the very nature of that, it means that your your applications are going to span lots of devices now, and you're going to have different features that work better on certain devices. And this is a new way of thinking about our applications and services, and it's actually highly linked to the concept of cloud computing, allowing you to have software in the sky, allowing it to be accessible by any device. But it's not just that. And I think that this is sort of a, a rethink of how it's done. And you're starting to even see it with very basic applications, like now you can have some kind of word processing available to you everywhere on whatever device that's cloud-oriented. And this is the change I wanted people to really get. So people think of devices as portable, but they don't necessarily think of their services as portable. They think of that that's what goes on a PC. It's like, well, part of that goes on a PC, and part of that might go on a smartphone. And by the way, I'm going to be everywhere, so you need to be able to authenticate me and secure me. So you need to know who I am over my 15 devices that Michael and Ben and Carolyn have just talked about. So there's not just one Maribel that you're trying to give access to corporate data now. There's Maribel on 15 devices. Mm. And by the way, Maribel, you could be on that beach in Thailand and call in and still do the show because we are portable. So there. That is true. Good point. <laughs> there, anytime. So next time, I want to know you're in some place warm. By the way, I have a shout out to Carolyn Code, just to, to interrupt for just a second, from our loyal tweet fan, Karen Geraldo. And she says, a mimosa just might help Carolyn Code with the sub-zero Arctic freeze Toronto has been in. So thank you, Karen, for the tweet. And I'm sending your good wishes to Carolyn. Carolyn, I'm sure you'll acknowledged because you've been uh, copied on this tweet. So anyway, let's move on. Who wants to talk about this uh, mobility of services? Benjamin, Michael, Carolyn, I'm sure you all have something to say. Well, I could jump in for, for services. It's interesting. I'll throw in a stat just to get us started. Mobile and cloud are going to be the number one technology trend for this year, according to uh, to Gartner, as we all follow. Um, but what's interesting is mobile is also the number one largest surge in data volume. So if we look at these three things coming together, um, there's really a huge amount of opportunity. Um, And I saw this firsthand at Mobile World Congress at the end of February, actually a a month ago uh, this week. And looking at the new opportunities or new market models, now that we look at mobile services that can be leveraged by a company to um, open up an entirely new business opportunity, Um, and some of those get into perhaps banking and completely going past a brick-and-mortar situation and allowing individuals to bank completely through mobile devices, 
or it could also include um, taking the data that's collected from mobile um, interactions and understanding where I am, that contextual piece that Maribel um, was, was mentioning, and using that data and an analytics engine to make a business decision. And, and that's really a, an opportunity for telcos and marketing groups to start to align, to start seeing the opportunities and, and the real business case as to Ben's point of, of where there really is opportunity with, with these technologies as they start to integrate and grow together. Great point, Carolyn, and that's exactly where I was going next. So great minds, I hope great minds think alike. I was going to talk about your point. Mobile is driving the largest surge in data volume, but you told me you had an example of the future of football. You want to drop that on us, please, and then we'll have everybody jump in? Yes, and when we say football, we, of course, mean the proper football. Uh, uh, <laughs> shout out to my English cousins. Um, and and uh, interestingly enough, we call it soccer in North America, so maybe we'll, we'll flip it to soccer. But um, Tottenhoffenheim is using some analytics technology from SAP to track information about the players. They're actually putting sensors and information on the players and watching them during games. So if they're playing against Real Madrid, they're trying to understand why certain um, situations are happening on the field. They can collect the data during a game. Um, So you can imagine all of the uh, controversy this may cause. But they can collect data during the game or in a practice set up that exact um, situation on a field again and analyze the angles and the positions of all the players so that the next time they go to play Real Madrid or another team, they know how to customize their training programs to really have a competitive advantage. And while this is an example of the future of football, bringing together mobile technologies, wearables, data collection and analytics, you could think of how a company could take this use case. And it's such an obvious example to say, sports competitive advantage, but it really is. It's just that, and it's refreshing because it's a simple example, but one I think you could apply to to any company in any industry. Now, the Thank NBA you, is Carolyn. doing something similar. They have a, a system mm-hmm. where they analyze, uh, you know, in real time, and coaches use it actually, you know, before and after the game to, you know, where is, you know, Kobe or uh, LeBron most likely to take and make a shot from, and, and they, they, div- they, they devise defensive strategies based on that data. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the Super Bowl, I'm sure you saw SAP um, using the analytics there, too. So it, it's any sport, really. I think it even goes to tennis and sailing, um, which I'm curious about because I have dropped an uh, iPhone off the back of a sailboat. So um, I'm, I want to learn more about that use case. I'm glad they rescued you. I have a quick point to bring up here before we go to break. We're going to break in three minutes, so let's do this one quickly around the table. Uh, Carolyn Code, you sent me a wonderful poster from Mobile World Congress. It's Experience the Future with SAP. I have it here in front of me. Thank you. And uh, an interesting statistic here I don't think we've covered, and I want to get everybody's input very quickly. It says, Fewer than 12% of employees have signed any kind of usage or security agreement with respect to personal devices. Carolyn, why don't you give me a 30 or 40 second lowdown on this and then we'll ask everybody else. What does this mean? It means someone has likely gone into the organization with the phone that they wanted, purchased it maybe on their own rights or went into a corporate catalog and chose the phone and use it as a personal device as well as a corporate device, but really don't understand how the content on that device is being managed. And if they ever got in a situation where they lost the device, maybe they left the company um, or the device was hacked, they may not understand the implications of this as a consumer and also as a professional. Great point. Benjamin or Michael or Maribel, I'm sure you have something to say on this. Any words of advice, any warning? 
Well, one of the advice that we have is, and some of the leading companies that, that we worked with in the past and other people in the, uh, on the panels probably work with, is by establishing a mobility center of excellence or an office of mobility. So you have to step back and not mm-hmm. let these things happen. Companies got to get strategically aligned to what is happening in the marketplace, understand it's obvious coming down, down, down the pipeline for them, and, under, and pull together the stakeholders within the organization, whether that's legal, security, IT, and, and the business stakeholders, and the operation stakeholders, and put together an internal community that starts uh, uh, consuming this knowledge, consuming it, whether it's the football example or this example of privacy and what's happening with users in BYOX, and really getting a fundamental foothold on how they want to address this moving forward. And the companies that, again, are going to win at this, this, this game are the companies that are going to start right away in establishing and, and creating that structure in their organizations to leverage the, 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 the huge amount of productivity and opportunities that are out there in the market. Thank you very much. Maribel, any quick thoughts, 30 seconds before I go to break? What do you think? You need a policy, but I think people can get too wrapped up in making the policy an Uber thing. I think what this is really about is educating people, and mm-hmm. you know they're going to do what they want to do anyway, whether or not they sign a piece of paper, but you need to make them aware of the consequences and what their legal issues might be as a result of it. So mm-hmm. I agree with all go. the other points as well. Good. And Benjamin, 30 seconds, anything you want to say before I cut the cord here and go to break? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, pretty much everyone, I think, said it really well. I mean, I think that uh, don't overthink it um, uh, and, and make sure that you're really communicating uh, heavily with users and, and kind of overstating the obvious. Thank you very much. Not to overstate the obvious, but it's time for a break. My panel has been working very, very hard. Great marathon roundtable. I'm going to give them 90 seconds to pour a fresh cup of something, collect their thoughts. When we come back, it's the crystal ball round. I'll ask them if we met again five years from today in 2019, Maribel and Michael and Carolyn and Benjamin, what would you be saying on this topic? Enterprise mobility for dummies. Will there be any dummies left in five years? Certainly hope not. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that. Ma- oh, you know the drill. Brad, out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.com. D.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm looking at all the wonderful tweets here at hashtag SAP Radio. Computing used to be a destination. Now it lives and goes with you. Thank you, panelist Benjamin Robbins. And we've captured one of Maribel's comments about wearables will change the enterprise and all kinds of good stuff. So thank you to our tweeters. Now it's time for our crystal ball round. I'm going to go back to the original order. Arabelle Carroll, and hope you're all ready. Let's take two minutes each and talk about if we had this show again in five years, and I know we're not going to wait that long to get together again, but if we had to wait five years, what would you be saying about enterprise mobility for dummies? You can run, but you can't hide. Will there be any dummies left about enterprise mobility? Benjamin Robbins, why don't you start us off? Go. Well, I can guarantee you there'll be lots of dummies, but I don't know if they'll be, uh, if they'll be talking about enterprise mobility. Um, I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, it's just human nature. Um, uh, You know, I think that mobility, um, you know, I don't really see it as a, you know, eventually it'll just be a topic. I mean, it'll just kind of be computing, right? I mean, um, it kind of fades into the background. So, you know, I think that it's new and it's exciting now. Um, But I think as as we've been discussing, as, um, you know, sensors proliferate and connectivity proliferates out to other devices, um, I think we'll be talking more about... um, contextual use cases and and how it actually gets used rather than concerning ourselves with any sort of class of device or you know what what um it actually looks like so you know if there was anything um that 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 quote unquote that we would be dumb on or that there'd be dummies around it would be you know that we're doing that we're still doing a use case that could be done so much better right and we'd have we'd be framing the discussion in 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 the sense of stop being dumb stop operating in an old paradigm and, you know, leverage the ability and the, the sensors and the connectivity that you have today. And, I, and one, one thing that I think is really key to that that, we, that we've touched on um, peripherally in our discussions is um, identity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think as um, this notion of, of who I am and what I'm connected to and who I'm connected to and what my organization is and the projects that I work on and the opportunities that I have, as that continues to expand out and be less um, you know, not not so formal. You know, less rigid. Um, identity is going to be key. You know, um, you know, you and I may have a connection on a certain project for a short time, and so we need an easy way to allow that connection to happen and for us to exchange data. And when that time and that place passes, then that connection needs to go away until it's irrelevant again. And I think that there'll be lots of these these connections happening over and over again, you know, both inside organization, you know, intra and extra organ, uh, organ, organizationally. And so I think that 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 to get on top of this, um, the, the, the to, to facilitate the ease of connections and identity has to has to step up and has to, really has to evolve um, in order for this um, um, kind of contextual and and um, expanded network to proliferate. Thank you, Benjamin. Appreciate that. Michael O'Farrell at the Mobile Institute. Let's turn to you. I'll give you two minutes exactly. Predictions, go. Uh, great. Um, since we last connected last fall, I was part of a book called Shift 2020. So I'm going to go from, uh, in, instead of 15, uh, 19, I'm going to probably go to 20, 2020. And uh, part of the predictions that I looked at is uh, we'd be entering, we, you know, we'd be entering what I call the nanomobility era. And I happened to be at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona as well uh, over the last month, and I presented these concepts at what was called the Internet of Things Barcelona Meetup for the first time. And there's about 200 people there. 
And and at that session, what I started showing is the, the trajectory and pace of change that we are at as uh, not only humans, but as in technology. And the two areas that I saw that are on the horizon that are very close and not too far off is that by 2019, 2020, we're going to start talking about telepathy. Telepathy will finally come around to the sense that we'll be able to leverage these technologies and project information in a very controlled state through our identity and through authentication, similar to just embedding this phone right to, to how we communicate right now, but we'll be doing it through you know body area networks, embodied area networks, and, and wearable technologies will be part of, part of our persona. The second area that we'd be looking at is, te- is teleportation. So teleportation will now become commonplace by 2040, but you're going to start seeing more live examples of that happening by 2020, 2019. If you like, take a look at 3D printing, you take a look at uh, quantum computing, you understand Internet of Everything, and now being able to um, uh, transfer knowledge and transfer data, you know, untethered through IP networks and in cloud data, I can have a controlled virtual persona, similar to when Tupac did Coachella, and it was a great um, experience for the audience of, of, of having him present, even though he's unfortunately passed away, it was that presence and having that live experience and now being able to be part of that state and that personal state. So within the enterprises and the stakeholder communities, you know, we have to start thinking how fast things are moving today compared to where the iPhone came out in 2008 and how fast things are going to be moving in, 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 at, at triple Internet speed, like you said, Bonnie, between now mm-hmm. and the next five years. And we have to start understanding what that's going to mean to our business culture, our, our personal culture, and our society in this untethered environment, in this Internet of, Internet of Everything world that, that's coming, coming ahead, and how fast people are taking these technologies and creating new applications and ideas for us to leverage as, as, as business leaders. Thank you so much, Michael O'Farrell. Let's turn to Maribel Lopez. And Maribel, I have a note for you. You were on a show about mobility with me on March 28, 2012, almost two years ago to the day. Actually, Friday will be two years ago. And you made the statement, in 10 years, no one will talk about the mobile network. It will just be a seamless blending of connectivity. So if you want to use that as a jumping off point, I can give you 90 seconds. Maribel Lopez, go. Okay, so yes, I absolutely agree with that. You know, we've talked a lot about mobile because it's different. Mobile just going to be part of the fabric of business and life right now. It's just becoming accepted. Um, Carolyn already talked about how it's available in uh, large portions of the world now. So everybody's going to have some kind of smart device and arguably eventually many of them. So I think this gets back to a point that um, Ben was talking about. So I'm still going to do with the five-year timeline because I think that there's a lot of challenges we're going to have to go through in the five years. And one of those challenges is around um, identity. And we've talked about, you know, is it biometric identity? Is it password identity? We've had a lot of issues. There's a lot of technology that's being discussed there. And I'm not sure it's actually one thing. It's probably a combination of things that kind of get the essence mm-hmm. of Maribel. Um, we will have a lot of data. And I think the problem with having a lot of data is that, you know, right now we talk about big data like we have all the tools and it's done. We've got three or four more cranks on figuring out, um, you know, big data is a lot like where cloud computing was in terms of there's a lot of debates about which technologies and tools, the tools are evolving very fast. So we're still, I think in a couple of years, we're still going to be getting into this how do we manage data concept. Mm-hmm. Um, 
integration is a big deal. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talk about IoT and sensor networks and stuff, and somebody brought up a good point to me the other day. You know, these sensor networks are all different right now. There's no common set of protocols. There's no way for them to easily interact with each other or to interact with your system. So we've got a long way to go for standardization of collecting that data, and that's just going to be a mess for a while, and that's the way things evolve. So we're going to be collecting little islands of data and then trying to integrate them so that we can get to this contextual vision that we also want and have been talking about a lot. Um, the other thing is automation. You know, if we look out five years from now and if we've done our jobs appropriately, a lot of stuff will be automated. And I'm sure there's going to be some challenges around having that automation, but we talk about, you know, equipment taking themselves out of service is a really easy mm-hmm. example of thinking about automation. But things we do in our day-to-day life, you know, if I approve the same PO every week for whatever, that just might be automated and it becomes an exception, not a um, rule at that yes. point. Maribel, I need to give Carolyn I need to give Carolyn one minute to close. We're almost done, so I'm going to cut you here, but we will have you back, okay? And thank oh, you. Sorry. Okay, that's okay, dear. Carolyn Code, sixty seconds. We're tight. Go. Excellent. Well, this is perfect. Last night I was at Ryerson University here in Toronto for at their Center for Cloud and Context Aware Computing. And we were asking every single startup in that room, where are you going to be in five years? And mm. it goes along with what Ben and Mike and Maribel said. These things will come together, and we're not going to be thinking about mobile as devices. We actually shouldn't even be thinking about them as devices today, but as a piece of that connected future. And it will be multi-channel. If it's not, it won't, it won't work. It will be everything from a kiosk to a point of sale to a car, all of our tablets, our TV, our PC, our cable box our call centers and our sales reps. Um, but we really will come back to the individual between personal space and corporate. We'll continue to be blurred. We'll have to understand what is a connected future for me, what's my context, and how and when do I want to participate. Thank you, Carolyn. Perfect. I need 45 seconds to close the show, and I'm going to start right now. Tomorrow is Thursday. Guess what? It's a doubleheader. In the morning, 7 a.m. Pacific. It's worth it. Get up early. Future of business with game changers. Thursday afternoon, we close the day at 1 p.m. Pacific. We'll close it for me in New York. Startup focus with game changers, talking about startups and telcos. On Monday, we start all over again. Financial excellence with game changers, 10 a.m. Pacific. Tuesday, HR trends with game changers, 9 a.m. Pacific. And Wednesday, coffee break with game Game Changers right here, our flagship show, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thank you, Benjamin Robbins. Thank you, Michael O'Farrell. Thank you, Maribel Lopez. Thank you, Carolyn Code. And shout-outs to Carolyn for organizing the panel again. Appreciate that. Malcolm Kimberlin for tweeting. Karen Geraldo, always glad to have you listening on Onboard. And Brad and the Business Channel team do a great job. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow morning here on the Business Channel on Future of Business with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.